we find ourselves this morning at the conclusion of our study of Acts. Um, it, it actually kind of went a little faster than I thought it would. It's taken us just this year. <laughs> thought it might take many, so I've, I've been a little surprised. But, uh, but we find ourselves really at what is Paul's last sermon, last recorded sermon. And we have his letter, his letters to First and Second Timothy, which are written probably while he's in Rome. We have Ephesians and Colossians and, and Corinthians. We have all of his letters. But as far as him preaching, as we have seen through the book of Acts, this is kind of the last time that we have a sermon of Paul. So Paul has made it to Rome. He is a prisoner there still, but he's, he's made it to Rome, and he's talking to these Jewish leaders in Rome in this last sermon. Now, here's, uh, here's what I think is interesting. If you look, and, and we're right at the end of, of Acts chapter 28, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, um, what, what I find interesting is we just stop here. Acts just stops. After this, uh, this last sermon of Peter, it just stops. We don't get the, the, uh, all of the information, all of, all of what happens in Paul's trial. We don't get what he has to say to defend the faith in front of Caesar. We don't get how he died. We don't get anything more than this sermon and Acts ends. Now, there's been a lot of, uh, I like to say a lot of ink spilled, a lot of books written on, on why this is. And, and I'll give you my opinion. My opinion is it's because Paul isn't the point of Acts. He isn't even the hero of Acts. The hero of, of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. And the point is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've see, we've, we have kind of followed. Peter started as the, the guy that was preaching, then John, then Philip, now Paul. And it's not about any of them. It's about the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, and how the church spread the gospel to the known world, to the Middle East. I think that's why we don't get any of this information about Paul, what happened at his trial, how did he die. We don't, we don't have that information because that's not what matters. What matters is that Paul continued to the death preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a, a historian named Eusebius that, that says that Paul was beheaded. And that kind of makes sense because Paul was a Roman citizen and so Roman citizens didn't have to face uh, crucifixion or death by, by being fed to the lions or, in the, uh, or death by, in, in the arena. They didn't have to face the gruesome death because Roman citizens were, were above all of those. those. Those gruesome deaths were all for lands that were conquered, prisoners of war, and slaves. It wasn't for Roman citizens. So the... Eusebius says that Paul was beheaded, and that makes sense. But he's the only historian that says anything about it. Now, we have several historians that say Peter was crucified upside down. Upside down because he said he, couldn't, he didn't feel worthy of, of being crucified the same way as, as Jesus. So he was crucified upside down. And they say, the, the historians say, that it was about roughly the same time that Paul was beheaded. 
But the truth is, we don't know. We just think that makes sense, but we don't know how the trial came out. We don't know what Paul said in the trial. We don't know how Paul died for sure, but that's not the point. The hero of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. The point, the message of the, the, the book of Acts is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is inconsequential. So is Peter, so is John, so is Philip, so are, so are all of the ones that we've seen preach along the way. So what we have is the last sermon of, of Paul here. It isn't his last teaching, as I said, but it's his last sermon that's recorded. So let's read Acts 28, starting in verse 23, and it is up here behind me. After arranging a day with them, with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So, context for this is that, that Paul is, as I said, he's still a prisoner, and the way it worked out for Paul was he was actually in a house and a soldier was living with him as a guard. So he wasn't in prison. He was in a house with a, with a, uh, a guard um, guarding him, a soldier living with him. So he couldn't run around and, and preach. He couldn't run around and teach. But what could happen is people could come to him and, and he could preach to them. And that's what happens here. These, this group of Jewish leaders comes to hear from Paul. Now, what I think is interesting is in the context, just in the verses ahead of this, Paul starts out talking to these Jewish leaders and says, I have, I, I've been tried by the Jewish council, but they rejected my message, so now I have appealed as a citizen of Rome to, this, to Caesar's court. He's explaining all this stuff, and the Jewish leaders say, well, we haven't heard anything about you, so we'll listen. Now, the reason that caught my, my attention, I guess, is because we think of Paul as being fairly famous, don't we? I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We think of Paul being, you know, a guy that, that uh, everybody knew. But here all these Jewish leaders are in Rome, never heard of this guy. Who are you? Yeah, we'll listen to you. I haven't heard anything about you. I'll listen to you. So Paul's fame wasn't quite what we picture in our heads because these guys had never heard of him. They have, they have no, uh, I haven't heard anything about you, so go ahead. So Paul then, in verse 23, it tells us that Paul expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. 
Now, the kingdom of God is, a, is, a, uh, is kind of a way of summarizing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's, he's telling them the gospel, but using the term kingdom of God kind of appeals to the Jewish audience because the Jewish audience would have known what the kingdom of God was. They would have known from, from the kingdom of God from way back. And so the idea here is that Paul is telling them from the, the, the Moses and the prophets, and he, he's telling them the God that was, the kingdom came in Christ. And so now the kingdom is in Christ. And so he's, he's telling them this, this kingdom of God, and it would have, would have caught the attention of the Jewish audience that he's speaking to. A Gentile audience may not necessarily connect with kingdom of God. If you had never heard that term, it wouldn't mean anything to you. But to a Jewish audience, it meant a lot. Now, I also think there's some cultural context that we have to understand. Because this is a time in history when Rome is really in upheaval. Nero is the emperor. And Nero started out kind of being liked by the Roman people. But then Nero kind of got, uh, like, like most of the, the Caesars, Nero kind of went off track. And in fact, he moved out of Rome and moved to a villa. So they thought, why, why is our, our, our Caesar, our leader, not living in Rome, the city that, that he built, that, that the Caesars built? Why is he not living here? And then the, the, uh, the, the Roman fire happens, the fire of Rome that destroys Rome. Nero is living someplace else, and, and, and Rome is destroyed by fire. So you have a, a, a group of people that are saying, well, it's Nero's fault, that's why he moved away. He moved away so that he could burn this down. And then when, when Nero starts, uh, starts rebuilding Rome, he actually rebuilds it with Greek architecture because that's the villa that he's living at, is Greek architecture, so he likes that. And so you've got a faction that is saying, well, Nero burned down Rome so he could rebuild it the way he wants it in Greek architecture instead of Roman. And then you've got a, a, a faction that says, no, here, Nero was out of town. It couldn't have been him. And so you have these, these factions. And, and so what, what does Nero do? Nero says, well, it was the Christians that did it. They are the ones that burned down Rome. So you have a, a faction that, that is entirely behind the emperor and says he can't do any wrong. You have a faction that blames everything because he can't do anything right, and you have the emperor blaming a different group for the fire, for everything that wrong that happens. I have to ask you, does that sound familiar at all? We're living in this time. And so what, is, what, what does Paul do? He leads them to the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God lasts well beyond anything man-made. The kingdom of God has existed before any man-made kingdom and will exist well after any man-made kingdom. So Paul is getting, giving them an eternal perspective. He is, in the midst of all of this, this uh, upheaval in Rome, he is, he is leading them to look above all of it and look at the kingdom of God. Look at what is already there, what has been all along, and what will be forever.
And he does it from a, 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 a historical, spiritual uh, viewpoint. He, he talked about him going from Moses and the prophets. So he's telling them the kingdom of God that was is now in Christ. So he's, he's giving them a history lesson, and he's telling them this is the next step. Jesus is the next step. Jesus is now in charge of the kingdom. In fact, he is the kingdom. And so he, he, the kingdom has come in him, and so the kingdom is now in him. And so he, he's doing this from a historical, spiritual perspective in the midst of one faction blaming everything on the emperor, one faction supporting the emperor no matter what, and the emperor blaming somebody else for everything that's going wrong, Paul leads them to look at the kingdom of God. He leads them to look above it all and get an eternal perspective. And then he quotes from Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. Now, incredibly important quote. In Isaiah, when Isaiah says this, God tells Isaiah, my people have eyes that don't see, have ears that don't hear, have hearts that are calloused, my people aren't listening to me. That's what God is saying through Isaiah when Isaiah said it. And then it comes into the New Testament, and Jesus actually quotes this. It's on the lips of Jesus in Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. So, Jesus is saying the same thing about the people of this generation, that they, they have eyes that don't see, they have ears that don't hear, and their hearts are calloused. They won't understand me. Paul uses this quote to tell them, you're not listening to what God is doing. It's just like what, when Isaiah said it, and still like when Jesus says it, you're not listening to what God is doing. You're not paying attention. Your hearts are unchanged. And so I, I want you to consider this quote for a minute. You've got three organs of perception. You've got the eyes, the ears, and the heart. Now the heart in, the, in the, the Jewish world, the heart is the center of the will and, and decision making. This is where decisions are made or in the heart. And so we, uh, we have three organs of perception, none of which work. None of these work. The eyes aren't seeing, the, 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 ears aren't, the ears are hearing but not listening, and the heart's callous, so nothing, nothing gets through. Nothing is, is happening. So when Isaiah says it, again, he's telling the people of God at that time, God's, at, God's doing a work, and you're not paying attention. You're not listening, you're not seeing it, and your hearts are hardened, and you won't, you won't understand it. And now... Paul is telling them, these Jewish leaders, the same thing. Now this struck me because as I think about this quote and I think about Paul, he's not just talking about Jews. He's talking about anyone who won't accept Christ, who doesn't see Jesus as the Messiah. He's talking about anyone here. So the last recorded sermon of Paul is a broken-hearted plea for those who haven't accepted Christ. I want you to think about that, because Paul has, has preached the gospel throughout the Middle East. Thousands have come to Christ through him. He has seen the deliverance of God over and over and over again, from stonings to, to riots to shipwrecks recently. 
He's seen the deliverance of God over and over again. He's seen all of this. He's, he's been a part of all of this. And his last sermon is about those who have not accepted Christ. His heart is broken over the lost. Our hearts should be broken over the lost. The last recorded sermon of Paul is about those who have not accepted Christ as Savior. And these folks, they still remain. We know them. In fact, we were once them. If, we, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that, that probably the first time you heard the gospel, you didn't, you didn't respond to it. You, you didn't see it. You didn't hear it. You didn't listen to it. And your heart was hardened. There are still people like that. We all know people like that. We once were people like that. We have people like this in our, in our families. We have them in our their co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, the places we shop, places we eat. We all know people like this who don't see with their eyes what Jesus is doing in your life and in others' lives. They don't hear when the gospel is, is preached or when you share the gospel and their hearts are hardened. Paul found again and again just exactly what Jesus found when he confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The religious people are the hardest ones to reach. They don't understand their need for Christ because their righteousness is, is, is built up by their religious activity. Paul finds that here. He is, his heart is broken for the lost because here we have Religious people in front of him, and some believed, and some didn't. Paul's brokenhearted because these people remain in his day, and they remain in our day. We know people whose eyes don't see, whose ears don't hear, and whose hearts are too calloused to be changed by Christ. But we also see the problem. The problem is not the messenger. God has been very clear about Christ's coming since Genesis 3. He's been very clear all the way through Moses, all the way through the prophets, all the way through, he has, God is clear that Jesus is coming. So the problem isn't the messenger. The problem isn't the message, because the message is simple and clear. The gospel is simple and clear. We compound it with a bunch of stuff, but when you get it down to biblical gospel, it's very simple. Jesus died in your place on that cross and rose again to give you life. It's really that simple. It's an incredibly simple message. So the problem isn't the messenger. The problem isn't the message. The problem is the hearer. If you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and have not responded, you are responsible for your response. Again, verse 24 said, some were persuaded, but some were not. They had a choice. They, had, uh, they, could, they could believe in Christ and be part of the kingdom of God, or they could turn it down. They turned it down. 
Some did. Some still do. But they are responsible for their choice. You and I are responsible for our response to the gospel. We have to respond to the gospel. As I, as I read through this and looked at the, the cultural context, I realized our world is so much like what Paul had at the time that he, he, uh, he preached this last sermon. We're divided along lines exactly like they were. And we are still in a place spiritually where we know people that have eyes that don't see and ears that don't hear and hearts that, that are too calloused to respond. We still know people exactly like this. This what, what Paul describes here and when Paul speaks, we see exactly this in our world today. So what Paul does, and I think what we must do, is look at the kingdom of God. We must fix our eyes on the kingdom of God because that king has always been and will always be. That kingdom has always been and will always be. Mankind kingdoms, they come and go. But the kingdom of God never fails. Never. Now I can't possibly try and summarize the, uh, the book of Acts in one sermon. I mean, it took us months to get here. So I, I'm not going to even try, but I will tell you this. The hero of the, of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moving through the Middle East, through men like Peter and John and Philip and Paul and you and I. The Holy Spirit moving through us just like it did them to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the hero of the book of Acts. And the message of the book of Acts is as simple as this. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And so the gospel is as simple as this. He is the Christ. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, fully God and fully man, died a substitutionary death on a cross for your sin and mine, rose again on the third day to give you life, and is reigning today. That's the gospel. It's as simple as that. Are you in this process? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Is your heart transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? It can be today. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. I'm going to ask that you just pray along with me and say, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've done things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died that I might have life. And he rose again on the third day, proving his sacrifice for me was, was accepted by God. Proving that he came to give me life. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to come into my life, empower me, change my heart, transform my heart. 
give me eyes to see and ears to hear. And I ask it in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Maybe this morning, you know Christ. But as you, as you think about the last two weeks, it's if you have gotten yourself worked up over the stuff of this life, will you commit this morning between you and God to focus on the kingdom of God not a kingdom of man. Take this moment right here. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We ask you, Father, to give us the eyes of Paul to see the kingdom of God over and above and beyond any kingdom of man. Ears to hear from you and hearts transformed by your grace, by your Holy Spirit. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.